Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. They stopped and gave it the full Signium Crucis. Whoa. They crossed themselves. No way. Yes. And you know, like, I, I, it stopped me in my tracks. The... Britain, an ancient kingdom with legends of violence, cruelty, and torment in its blood. Join your hosts, Ross, John, and James, as they bravely tread where few would dare. Witness their journey into the horrific history of British horror. They are... General Witch Finders. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, ghouls and goblins, wherever you may be, welcome to the first, some say inaugural, General Witchfinders podcast. We are your hosts, my name's James, and I'm talking to you from Bournemouth in England. John? Are you pointing yeah. at me? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm John, and I'm in Pontypridd in South Wales. I'm Ross, um, I'm in Dorchester in South England. John, you sound very posh there. Suddenly you've got your, your telephone voice on. Yeah, I'm doing what my nan used to do when she'd answer the phone. 515192. Point in the grave. Victor Belgium's 4291, which is his phone number. And I was thinking of, what's the number for all creatures great and small? Farad, Farad something? Oh, God, no. Anyway. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, but this isn't this isn't a um, all creatures great and small podcast. This is a podcast about British horror. <laughs> We may, you know, if we run out of things to watch, we may. Yeah. Was there a Halloween special of um? I I really already think that that's probably a better idea for a podcast than what we're going to do, <laughs> which is where we talk about 
British TV shows if they had been horror, if yeah. it was a horror crossover. Themes. Yeah. So the old creatures, great and small, where the sheep gives birth to a, a chimera of, um, say, <laughs> a lamb and a gorilla or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and the old creatures they're talking about are the creatures in the pit of hell. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That, that episode of Metal Mickey when uh, Mickey <laughs> kind of got possessed by Pazuzu and ran amok. Um, uh, <laughs> but why are we doing this podcast, John? Because it was your idea. Um, my, well... I was listening to the brilliant uh, a podcast for the curious. It still is about the writings of M.R. James, which I thought was, which is the first podcast I've ever listened to. Uh, thanks, John. We, me, and, <laughs> me and James did have a podcast for ten years. Yeah, I never listened to that. Uh, yeah, so I miss list- much. <laughs> I've listened very devoutly to the M.R. James one while I've been painting in lockdown. Um, and then the other night, I was watching TV on Talking Pictures very late at night. Uh, Lust for a Vampire came on, and it reminded me that the, the really awful introduction to that film reminded me of uh, the fact that I wanted to do a podcast. And then Helen, my partner, said that you should do it with Ross and James because no one wants to listen to you just talk to yourself about films. <laughs> <laughs> Which she definitely doesn't want to. Yeah. So, uh, so here we are, really. I suppose. Oh, um, okay, and hopefully, yeah. Like, like I said, James and I, um, we did our own podcast for about ten years, um, called Creeping of Armstrong, and we that... were we were well ahead of the curve. Yeah. Now everyone's mm. got a podcast. Yeah. We, I we think we in... were. We were. I think that the most <laughs> famous person to have a podcast was Richard Herring at that point, and now um, I think Prince Harry's just got his podcast come out today. Yeah. So it's, we are, you know. We, we were now... too far ahead of the curve, Ross. Exactly, and now, always. We're, and now we're way yeah. behind the curve, so probably Go. no exactly. one's going to hear this. However, um, <laughs> we'll we, enjoy doing we'll it. We'll enjoy doing it anyway. That's all that matters. What are our uh, qualifications for doing this podcast? Watching, spending too many, too much of our teenage years in bedrooms, yes. watching films late at night and reading uh, poor quality pulp <laughs> novels. Yeah. I don't frankly. think... I don't think anyone listening to this should expect anything other than a, an insight into our lives. Yes. Very loose um, factual correctness. Exactly, yeah. Um, just, yeah. Is, is it just going to be our opinion of these things? Yes, yeah, so I, I think um, people shouldn't... That's one of the things I was... I always get really uptight if I'm listening to a podcast about something I like and they get yeah. all the facts wrong. Expect yeah. that to happen through this. We have... Uh, John probably knows a lot more about um, uh, things like Hammer than we do. Um, I do. But I love... might have misremembered most of it. Exactly. So, <laughs> and if if we make any mistakes, please forgive us. Yes. Okay. I'm gonna don't even bother to tell us because we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are people. There's millions of people out there that know more about us than. Um, more what <laughs> they know more about us than we know about ourselves. That's very strange. There's millions of people out there that know more about this subject than we do. I think what we're trying to do that's uh, important to us is experience these films together. Yes, mm. apart. And <laughs> that's the alternative name for this podcast, which is Together Apart. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the point. The thing that we should point out is that um, this is just us watching these films and enjoying them. It's not a... Or not. Uh, or, or not, yeah, <laughs> yeah. hopefully. Um, it's not going to be any kind of, um, uh, what's the word, not decisive. James, help me out here. 
definitive. It's not going to be. A def- it's not going to be a definitive um, tome on um, on anything really, yeah. except our opinions of some shit old films, <laughs> yeah. shit and TV, shit books. Ho- hopefully, <laughs> us riffing on it may take us to interesting or intriguing places. Exactly. Because yeah. for this one, this yeah. did, and we'll yeah. get onto it in, in due course. This oh. did make me go, oh, I'll do a little bit of research, and I found out something which I thought, oh. I'll tell the guys about this when we get going. So <laughs> this let's, let's wait and see. <laughs> so we're, we're going to try and do this every couple of weeks. We'll see how it goes. This fortnight, we are going to be covering Dracula AD 1972 from, from Hammer Horror. From 1972? From 1972, Indeed. unless she's in Germany when it was changed to um, Dracula AD 1973. Because, um, <laughs> Stick, it out a, sticklers for correctness. Exactly. Is it really? Yeah. In the UK, you can rent this or buy it on Amazon Prime or on Apple. And that's what we watched today. Yesterday, Dracula was the most fearsome being the screen has ever seen. Today, tonight, you, you, you could be Dracula's next victim. new yet as old as time come on johnny a date with the devil are you ready he's ready he's waiting to freak you out right out of this world died september the 18th 1872 a hundred years ago to the day you who witness it must Swear before the name of the devil to keep it secret. Who knows about vampires, for God's sake? My grandfather died fighting a vampire. The most terrible, the most dangerous vampire of all time. The year is 1972. A leap year in horror. A vintage year for vampires. of horror to meet again in the 20th century. Come to me, come Dracula! So let us begin then with um, set Dracula AD nineteen seventy two. Can I do the music in the background while he does it? This was the seventh Hammer film, featuring the uh, titular count and the sixth star Christopher Lee as Dracula, featuring the return of Peter Cushing as Van Helsing for the first time since the Brides of Dracula in nineteen sixty, and this was the first to feature both Lee and Cushing in their respective roles since Dracula in nineteen fifty eight. In 1872, Dracula and his nemesis, Van Helsing, battle on top of a runaway coach. The carriage crashes, and the Count is impaled on one of the wheels, and Van Helsing collapses and dies from his own wounds. 
A century later, Jessica Van Helsing, descendant of Dracula's old nemesis, attends a black magic ceremony in which Dracula is resurrected and plans to take his revenge on the Van Helsing family and bloodline by turning Jessica into a vampire. So there you go. Excellent. Well done. Both of you, Thank well you. done. That music has been in my head since 1992. What happened, in, the... what, what happened in 1992? Well, to, to, to begin the story at the beginning, Central Television in the late 80s and the early 90s did Friday Night Fright Night, mm. where they would show just Hammer films, I think, um, and, and a, in a graveyard slot, if you'll forgive the pun. Um uh, like one, two, three o'clock in the morning, obviously for people coming back from the pub or clubs, if you remember pubs and clubs. <laughs> um, so this was one of the ones that the first, the original one that the very first one that I watched was Scars of Dracula, but I taped all the others. And I think this is probably my favourite out of all of those ones that were shown at that point. So we're talking, God. We're talking 30 years ago now, so probably pre-1992, actually. So how old would you have been then, John? Um, in 1990, 1991, I was 12 and 13. So, yeah, so this was before you met us, then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did happen was I bought a book about horror films on a car boot sale by a guy called Dennis Gifford, which I've still got. And um, that went through all the, you know, the different Hammer films. Um, so I could tick off on a little list of all the ones that Central had shown. But he was very, very, <clears throat> very derisory about this one. Um, and then at the time I thought this was probably my favourite one. And I think it still is my favourite one, actually. Um, because it's such a weird mash of now for us, really kind of, This is weird because when I first watched it, this film probably, bizarrely, would have only been 18 years old. Yeah, crazy. (laughs) That's like a film from now, from 2002. Exactly. (laughs) And now... In two years' time, uh, it's going to be 50 years old. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the 70s then, you looked back then and you thought, God, this looks really old. But if you think now, like James said, 2002... That doesn't feel like very long ago at all. So it's quite strange mm. to think that um, time has this weird kind of um, topsy-turvy thing going on. But yeah, it's it's. Um... Well, should we um go? For, should we go through the the plot? Um, yes. Okay. So it starts off in some incredibly bad um, day for night photography. <laughs> I was watching it with my um. I was going to say girlfriend. There. I was watching it with my wife. Yeah. And um, he just said, "Is this film just really dark?" And I said, "No." <laughs> I said, it, no, "It's day for night." She goes, so is this isn't this is night. Um, but it's quite an exciting carriage um chase. Oh, I love the start. I, for me, it reminded me of kind of like Bond films mm-hmm. in that way that kind of like a Bond film starts with like that pre-credit sequence. Exactly, yeah, yeah. First yes. mission. And I thought, oh. And there was a point where it did look like it was actually them on top of the carriage bombing along. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, um, my notes here are Warner Brothers' old logo, red. So the, ver- the version I watched on um, Amazon has had the uh, the old Warner Brothers logo removed. Yes, it was uh, so, the new oh. one, wasn't it, with the music? Yeah. yeah. So if you remember the old red one, with which was like mm. three diagonal blobs. Yes, yeah, so, the white. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Red, white, and black. So the, the original 
um, one was that. And this is what I remember on the VHS version that I recorded. And that started with... So when it started, it had the Dracula. <laughs> so just to remind you what you're watching. You want ring Yeah. So that's gone now. But um, the other thing that I've written down is lurid red and great music. So I really liked the... Um, <laughs> So the music is brilliant at that point. Yes. And then obviously you've got the typeface, which is like this lurid red, which you, is like... you can't read because it's so over-stylized. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, a, a, goth, a gothic font that you now see in bad yeah. tattoos yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where people commemorate their, their, their poor quality offspring. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll get a red tattoo that says London 1872 on my arm. Yeah. Or Hyde Park. I can't remember which it says. Yeah. So I, my next notes are Scars of Dracula, bad continuity. Um, mm. It doesn't carry on from the previous film. So the previous film sees Dennis Waterman <laughs> horrified to see Dracula struck by lightning and tumble off the top of his castle. And the lady, I think the lady went on to be in Black Beauty as well. Um, so that... So it doesn't continue on from that, Thank but then God. it does. It does start with some really nice cinematography, um, really nice direction, and but very bad day for night shooting where yeah. they're on this and they're so- whizzing, whizzing through Hyde Park, which I think oh, is actually okay. Black Park, which is where if you watch any Hammer film, basically any exterior shot was shot in Black Park. Um, I don't know where Black Park is. It's somewhere in England. Yeah, it's in Hertfordshire, and it's, is it? It's- it is, and it's where they filmed a lot of Rise of Skywalker, a lot of the outdoor stuff no for Rise way. of Skywalker. Yeah, oh, but then there was the um, so Van Helsing gets thrown from the um, mm. from the top of the carriage, mm. uh, yeah. and then uh, the uh, carriage crashes. Oh, oh, the, the, the horses come away, don't they? Then the carriage crashes, and yes. then somehow. He becomes impaled on on the uh, on the wheel. It, on the wheel, it looks yeah. it look. Although it, it is Christopher Lee just holding the wheel against himself. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And then they keep cutting <laughs> to um, someone mm. ri- riding up. Yes. It's like a Monty Python sketch. I, you thought he was going to? Yeah, he's he's right behind him. Oh no! Yeah, he's still coming. He's still coming. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. So then, um, uh, the the wheel is pushed into Dracula, and you feel yes. like. How many different Dracula deaths have they done in order to like have to like think, oh fuck, what are we gonna do this time? Oh, Don't well. swear, my mother might listen to this. Pushes the um pushes yeah. the wheel into Dracula, yes. um some very fake looking blood uh spurts out and uh yeah, and I was just thinking that we've recently watched um Abbott and Costello meet um Oh no. Meet, was it Frankenstein or Dracula? Yeah. One of the ones. Mm. And the, the uh Lon Chaney Jr. um transformation for Wolfman is so much better than the the stop motion sort of fade yes. but nothing lines up which yeah. they were so pleased with they used twice in this yeah, film. Well, oh. yeah. <laughs> but when he when he turns into a um a skeleton Beckwith's going where's his fangs gone that the, the skeleton <laughs> of dracula had better teeth and first of all yeah. he had he didn't have the 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 hideous sort of um mishmash of bottom row teeth that um crystal lee has got and he didn't have yeah. the fangs either He's got teeth like a broken row of gravestones, doesn't he, Christopher <laughs> Lee? And what I always like is when he disappears and then comes back to life again, his clothes automatically re- reinvigorate themselves. It's like, Indeed. where have his clothes well, gone? When he did turn up, I was, really dis- 
I was really disappointed they didn't take the opportunity to give him like a seven, like seventies threads. More on that. More on that when we get there. Spanhausen dies, but the the guy with his familiar, his familiar comes along, scoops up some some Dracula dust into a takes his ring. Yeah, takes his ring, which fits over his gloved hand. But later on, also fits over <laughs> over a non-gloved hand. So, but in a handy um, test tube he had with him, get some Dracula dust. <laughs> Tooks a takes a bit of the um, spoke, and then goes yeah. along to um, Van Housen's funeral. Funeral. Yeah. Mm. Um, in broad daylight, stands watching, and then starts digging a little hole. What? Like really close to the other people who who are buried. Yeah, they're distracted. Hand. Yeah. Their, uh, their sorrow has distracted them, Ross. Yeah, and then they, I want... Then they, <laughs> my, look, on, uh, look, look, when my nan died at 103, yeah. at her funeral, <laughs> at no point was I turning round, looking for a vampire's familiar, <laughs> kind of making a small patch into Broadstone Grave. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... With the, with the spoke of a cartwheel. That. Yeah. So, I, um, I do want... I do want to say that at that point, I think is beautifully shot. Um, and I really, really, really love the shot where he's leading the horse through the kind of meadow by its little kind of horse lead. Um, and then it pulls focus from a mourner's face, a lady's mourner's face to him by the by the uh, fence. I think that looks amazing. But as you say, really, the whole sequence is bollocks. Why not come because... back later that night in the dark <laughs> yeah. and do it? Because while you've got the guy intoning ashes to ashes in, uh, you know, we are in something, we are in life, uh, man is born unto woman and all that, you've got all that bollocks. Mm. It does look brilliant. If you think about it, even for a split second, you realise it's nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) But then you do have the great jump cut. Yeah, you know, forget 2001. Up there with 2001. Yeah. Yeah! Um, you have a jump cut to the Forget Jimbo the dawn jet. of man. Yeah. To, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we're going to have. And then yeah. they pan down beep, to a load of concrete beep, beep, motorways. Well, I was about to say, it's a couple of minutes. There was so much going on. I thought, oh, we picked exactly the right thing to start off with. Cue an incredible montage of, you know, shot by cinematographer Dick Bush. Right. Of... Basically, the the Westway, London's Westway, <laughs> which would have been newly completed in 1972, featuring like a pattern that John's written it down as well. <laughs> literally written Westway traffic, London Steakhouse. Mine says magnificent and enticing shot. <laughs> what's the what's the shot of the steakhouse? A pun. <laughs> what do you mean? So for like steak in Dracula. Oh, I see. So, yeah, but that. as John was saying, now it's got this weird thing of it's like an amazing period piece. Yeah, because it was just yeah. like, look how quiet those roads look. It's <laughs> absolutely. Like, there's nobody on that. That tight title sequence is probably one of the most watched sequences of film I have ever watched in my life because I literally <laughs> just want to exist within that environment. <laughs> yeah. I once had a horrible experience driving over a thousand miles working on a film festival in um, West Wales where I had to take the producer of Torchwood back to London in the middle of the night from Aberystwyth, which is a hell of a drive. 
And when, but when I got to London, he lived right by that ma- that main kind of interchange. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was driving around there at like two o'clock in the morning and going, this is where they filmed Dracula AD 1972. <laughs> and he was just like, um, I absolutely love that sequence. So I've written uh, Great Jump Cut, CD and Brash Music by Mike Vickers of Manfred Mann, which I think oh. the music for this film is absolutely brilliant. Um, but then th- that sequence is just amazing because now it's this amazing time capsule of mm. traffic, Westway, going underneath the kind of underpass or whatever you call it. Um, and then the final shot is the London Steakhouse. The other thing, so, you know, it's incredible open that, you know, wow, kind of time yeah. capsule montage. Yeah, love and then it. I, you know, I'm, I'm keeping one eye on the credits and then yeah. I see and introducing... Yeah. Stone, stone ground. ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. Hello. Oh. The stone ground. Let's I'm, hear yeah, more I'm, from the stone ground. And who are stone ground? And I'm immediately <laughs> enticed. Yes, I'm pulled in. And I didn't in. have and to wait very long because it then goes I... into the craziest opening scene <laughs> ever. Not only do you get one full song of Stone Ground, you get, you two, get two full, two. full songs of Stone Ground. And I did see somewhere on the internet that that was supposedly um, going to be the faces. Yes, really. And then it w- and then it was the Stone Ground. So we could have had Rod the Mod and uh, and Ronnie Lane and and Ron Wood as well which would have just been absolutely chef's kiss I'm doing a chef's <laughs> kiss um but unfortunately no so what I've written for the next scene is party dreary smiling copper 60s two question marks <laughs> I think at this well, point the film which is set in 1972 is trying really hard to be 1968 yes yes and um all they do throughout the entire film is go you want to call a fuzz? You can't bring the fuzz. You can't go to the fuzz. You want to call the cops, Jessica? And it's like, or, why or, are they all kick so... planks? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are they all so scared of the police? Because none of them are doing anything illegal. Exactly. And, and also, when they do call, when the police are called on them, eight yeah. coppers turn up. <laughs> we've got some. We've got some ruffians and delinquents at our, our well-to-do party. Yeah. We've Send got every dancing. on-duty policeman in London. <laughs> But I do like that sequence. I but... felt sorry for those girls having to dance on the on the piano. But you know, yeah. it was really long watching it. Mm. Um, but you know they would have been filming that for so oh, many times. Days. They would have been days. so knackered. In my notes um, just says, 70s, core, <laughs> and hot pants. Yeah. <laughs> Which I felt... Well, that's what it up. is, isn't it? It's like, I don't know how deliberate the attempt is to... To, to have the kind of jump from the old Hammer style, which yeah. is the, the, the stagecoach and the whatever, mm. straight into this kind of... But the thing is, they've so, wi- they've so wildly missed the mark of the 70s <laughs> that um, they just, it just looks absurd. Yeah. So we got... So um, what's where we meet um, our characters, which I, I forgot all of their names, apart from someone whose name is very... Reminiscence of the word Dracula backwards, but more of that later. <laughs> well, I wrote down. I wrote down. Jess, good. Joe, annoying. Bob, ugly, bad hair. Okay. <laughs> so those are those are some of our characters. So does that include the one who's dressed as a monk? Joe is the yeah. one dressed as a monk. Okay. Why he's dressed as a monk, I don't yeah. know. And where he it's goes, never established. He just disappears <laughs> as a character. Later on. So we got a guy dressed as a monk. <laughs> We've got um, the boyfriend of Stephanie Beecham. 
We yes. got St- Stephanie Beecham, who is who is yeah. Van Helsen's um, granddaughter, who uh, was going to be his daughter, but apparently um, the death of um, Peter Cushing's wife aged him so much that they had yeah. to um, really? make it so it was his granddaughter mm. rather than his daughter. Wow. Helen, during the making of Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. Ah, there we go. So we do and know some had... stuff, guys. He he was bit. replaced by a man with a beard whose name I can never remember. It might be Anton, not Anton. Dubeck? <laughs> yeah, yeah! Anton Rogers. From <laughs> <laughs> May to December. Freshfields. Uh, I'll have to look it up now. Go on, carry on okay. with whatever. What's the name of the the, the familiar in this? In this Johnny Alucard. Yeah, Johnny. Yes, Johnny Alucard. Johnny Alucard, who I, I I thought actually looked quite cool, and I would imagine it's sort of character which would be better played by Malcolm McDowell. Do what, just... what I have written here, Ross, is he's like a proto Alex from Clockwork. Exactly. Oh, yeah. From the what, same what, year. Something else you're going to like even more is that Never. I've just looked at Blood from, hmm. as in the Mummy's Tomb, and the suggestions are. Blood from anus. Yes. Blood, <laughs> blood from back passage. Blood from rectum. None of these are canonical Hammer horror films. But John, I think we should make blood from anus. <laughs> that, that could be a spin-off from our. That's podcast. what we should have called the podcast. <laughs> it's, probably oh. an, it's probably an anagram of something. Yeah. Hang on. Blood from the mummy's Don't get Peter Cushion to work it out. It takes an ages. <laughs> And he's obviously never seen one of the Universal Hammer film, uh, Universal horror films. Well, they also have a character called Alucard. Yeah, or any oh, episode um, of Doctor Who with a master in it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Andrew Kia. So in Blood from the Mummy's Tomb, Peter Cushing was replaced by Andrew Kia. And then Seth Holt, who was directing it, died um of a heart attack and had to be replaced it's so everyone everyone was saying it was the curse of the the mummy's curse had cursed the film yeah our protagonists <laughs> are kind of gate crashing this party but the the weirdest thing about it is it's obviously like very well to do and it's run by someone that i've just written jacob reese mogg <laughs> um, yeah. the, whose party it is he was called charles i and invited the parents. stone ground and yes only i only invited the stone ground mother and it's like well, what sort of party is this bearing in mind it just looks like a load of bit like a load of like brigadiers yeah. and baronets at this it, party, and it's like, hey, yeah, let's get stone ground. This this will this will go down well. It looks a but bit like it's... the end of Carry On Up the Kyber when they're all sat having the meal <laughs> and being bombed. Yes. <laughs> you can imagine the stone ground are bombing them. That's true. And also, the, my last point on this is that the magnificentness of the uh, the drummer of Stone Ground is wearing yeah. a Kaiser cement cap. Yes. Ooh. Which oh just leapt out at me. I was like, oh, hipsters today would be all over that, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't they? Oh, that's my cement. Kaiser cement. After that, we, we found out that these these young kind of hipsters, as it were, these young hip hep cats, they're yeah. looking for a new buzz because they said every time that you know they they keep crashing these parties and then you know they have to escape before, as John says, the, the first buzz turn up. Turn yeah. up and and arrest them. And there's so many kind of like allusions to drugs, which they obviously couldn't make. Uh, you know, uh, uh, there's one mention of uh, do, of doing acid at one point. But they go out and say specifically they're not taking acid. We are not doing drugs. Yeah. You know, I suppose to avoid an X rating. I'm I, I'm guessing uh, at the time. Yeah, maybe, but then, yeah. so with that, um, yes, Johnny Alucard says 
hey, you know, you kids, do you want to get see, see something really dark? Do you want to have a bacchanalia with the Prince of, of Darkness and all the rest of it? And they're like, hey, wow. Oh, I don't know about all that, Daddy-O. I'm like, have you? Um, and however, they're, they're kind of won over by him. Um, and they, they say, okay, so we're going to have a black... And he says, let's have a black mass and all of that sort of jazz. Which is what I've written down. Black mass, black mass and that kind of jazz. The, this scene takes place in the cavern which is their coffee bar which to my mind looks exactly like scaramanga's um hall of mirrors in the man <laughs> with the golden does. gun it so does. i did expect at any point someone dressed as a chicago gangster in the 1950s to come out and shoot roger moore <laughs> <laughs> and then a little dwarf man well, to come out with arrives. <laughs> um I, I i was going um Made me think of Clockwork Orange and the milk bars from from there as yeah, well. Yeah, once again, yeah, see yeah. 1971 again. Uh, so yeah, so they then um, Stuffy Beechin goes back home, and then we meet Peter Cushion, mm-hmm. who is the descendant of um, the original Van Helsing. When was it first established in movies that people's descendants will look exactly the same? As... <laughs> it's good though, isn't yeah, it? As, as yeah, the people they descend I mean... from. It helps you understand what's happening, doesn't it? And we find out that he got a lovely drawing of, of Dracula on his wall. Um, and a painting well, hold of on, himself. Hold fire. <laughs> yes, hang fire on that. Because when we see Ali, when we, you know, in the, uh, the next scene where we see Alucard going into his amazing Chelsea residence, I'll say this for, for, for you know, the dark side and demon worship. You know, don't, don't get you a nice place to live. His flat is his, amazing. Just his absolutely awesome. Flat. Yeah. It's just the nicest flat. He's also driving a Triumph Stag, which is yes. just like an amazing car. He turns up right and he's got hole. a lovely etching of Dracula on his wall. Exactly, which is exactly the same one. They're obviously so pleased with this <laughs> in the production team, weren't they? It's like yeah. Van Helsing needs to have exactly the same etching. How did Johnny Alucard ever explain that etching? Oh, that's a rather interesting kind of etching shrine you've got in the corner, yeah? There? Yes, well, funny you should mention it. And a it. coffin coffee table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, I, I have noticed later on, I have noted later on where on earth you get an etching of Dracula from. Because they've both got them. <laughs> Dracula so fan club. I have noted at this point that um, Van Helsing looks very well dressed, but he's looking old, I think, in this Peter Cushing, isn't he? Very thin. But it he does have the, it does have the feel of like a Sherlock Holmesian kind of vibe, where he's living. He's obviously got like a Mrs Hudson type character that we see later, um, and he's got this big library of all these uh, occult kind of books and stuff. And um, Stephanie Beecham refers to it as a mausoleum, Mausoleum-ish. which I think is a bit harsh. Yeah. Well, it looks like a lovely house. I would, you know, it looks very much like the house I can see you in there now, John. Yeah. <laughs> We're come, surrounded by my books of the occult. Yes, um, but that, I did notice that of Dracula. there was a book about Dracula which, which was, had a yellow cover, which the original first edition of Dracula had a yellow cover because um, yellow was seen as one of nice. the kind of um, dangerous colours, wasn't it? Yeah, so she picks out a book about the bla- uh, Black Mass as a little leap through, puts her feet up on the desk, which was very disrespectful and I I sort of like cringe when I saw that I thought that was I thought it was rude as well that's how middle aged we all are now (laughs) would you do that in a library (laughs) me as a teacher get your feet off the table now now (laughs) would you do that at home but then um, Van Helsing comes in and warns her off of um, doing any of such nonsense and says how dangerous it could be 
and then she so she ignores him. And this and is the next... point where we had a quite a long discussion about was she wearing a wig? Um, and we thought that maybe she had a short yeah. wig over the top of long hair. Yeah, was... I I thought it looked like a wig. It it was quite a popular haircut at the time, but I thought that looked like a wig all the way through the film. The character, the main female character in Deathline, which was made in the same year, which is another film we should review, has also mm. got almost exactly the same hairstyle, which is quite weird. Um, it's like a kind of suede head kind of feather cut thing for like skinhead girlfriend 1972 kind of vibe mm-hmm. mm. um but i think it is a wig in this case yeah what her actual real hair is like i don't know or are you meant to think that she would just wear a wig and no one's bothered because when she's in bed later on her hair looks quite normal doesn't it well, it does yeah hmm, hmm. This is something we need a to mystery. explore in more. Yeah, one, maybe maybe our, our yeah our, our nascent listener group. <laughs> Should anyone want to listen? Chip in Did people wear wigs in the seventies? Yeah, my my mum had a wig, which yeah. uh, in the house, which I used to wear from time to time. Wait, was... wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Well, back that one up there, Ross. Yeah. You, you you zip past that. When I used to make quick. my my Pink Panther costume, which was basically a pair of a tights on my legs, yeah. cut out the gusset. And put my yeah. head through that, and yeah. then put my arms through the other that were tights, and then dance in front of a mirror in the hall to the music <laughs> this, from the this Pink to Panther. Me, that, this sounds like a, a scene they cut out of Silence of the Lambs, mate. <laughs> yeah. And this is just this last is year, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we do every Christmas. <laughs> um, so the next scene, we move to Saint Bartolf's. I think mm. it's Bartolf's or Botolf. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, Bartolf, which yeah. is down by the embankment. I'm doing inverted commas yeah. here. I think the the shot of the church at that point looks amazing. It's got a yes, lovely agreed. kind of um, orange nighttime sky, and the church itself looks really nice, kind of blues and greens. I do think Alan Gibson, who uh, directed this, and the aforementioned Dick Bush, <laughs> who was the cinematographer, did a really cracking job on this film because it's the best looking. It might be the best looking Hammer horror of the seventies because a lot of them looked shit. Like they didn't give a shit. I partially agree with you, John. They said there are a couple, of, and I've I've written that down. Like the extra, the ex, kind of exterior shots, totally agree. But when they go into in the next scene at the moment, where they where they kind of summon Dracula, it's lit in the most non-spooky way imaginable. There's like a bright light. A few strip lights. Put the big light on. Your lights on. That's and I did think that's where they dropped the ball. I did think any real kind of atmospheric. But then later on. When they go into the church and Dracula's in there, it is properly they lit. Look it's really like, good, yeah. Did they just forget? Did they just. You know, was that... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One of the first examples of people kicking planks to get in through a fence. <laughs> they um, love that, they don't lo- they, yeah. Miss Phil? We just need... <laughs> it's a recurring pink uh, trope. Yeah, we definitely need to see people checking every plank along there to get into the into there. But they play the, get the reel to reel on, and they play track from a music group called White Noise. Is that right, John? Yes. Oh, I haven't got a clue. Yeah, so it's one of yes, the guys... Says it, yeah, yeah. So one of the guys from Radiophonic Workshop had um, produced this album called White Noise. And the track, oh, no way. yeah, and I've been listening to it today. Most of the tracks are people, are sounds of people having sex being sped up and slowed down. <laughs> Brilliant. I have written where um, Christopher Nee, who's Johnny Alucard, says, "Dig the music, kids." Kids, which is the worst line in the whole film. <laughs> Dig the music, the music kids. kids. But then I've written Moby Dick meets the Radiophonic Workshop, which is. John Bonham, as in John Henry Bonham, playing Moby Dick, 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 uh, meets the Radiophonic Workshop, which is basically what the soundtrack is, isn't it? So the track yeah. they play is called An Electric Storm um, by White Noise. Um, oh. So you can get the album on uh, on Apple Music. It, can and they you? are all yeah. huge into it. it yeah. They, they, they kind of all freak out. They, they seem to, oh, yeah, oh. it escalates Just so music. quickly, doesn't it? It's a case of like... <laughs> I, we don't they seem to take any... Music. They don't drink anything. They don't take any drugs. But that track just freaks them out, man. It's yeah. they, They're digging it. Yeah. I've written just... Psychedelic Hammer. <laughs> yeah. And then the words, when uh, Dracula arrives, stratospheric dry ice budget. <laughs> <laughs> We've missed the sequence where when they're going into the church, they realise that there's 
a Van Helsing grave there. Oh, yes. Which then really annoys Bob, who I've written <laughs> perv by Bob. Because <laughs> he's like, time for a bit of loving or something like he that with to, Jessica. He tries to shag her on the, on the um, TCV. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we also missed the um the the scene where it's in the in the CCV goes through a um car wash. Car wash. Car wash. Yeah. I love the car wash. They debate wash the scene. merits. Yeah. They debate the yeah. merits of, of attending a black mass. Yeah. Yes. A car wash. So you don't see Grace Jones murder Patrick McNee in the same uh, car wash, <laughs> but it's a similar vibe. <laughs> There's so, so um, much of people talking about maybe going to do something in this room. <laughs> yeah. So they go in. So you see, also, you see the guy Joe scares them wearing a rubber mask. So I've written yeah. Joe prick in mask. It, but um, he, he, as, he sings a bit of Mungo Jerry as he goes yeah, to the church. Yeah, I said that. Joe hums in the summertime as he's going into the church. And then as they go in, they don't seem to notice or question why the altar, massive sheet over it, which says D. D on it, yeah. <laughs> Which um, Johnny Atkinard was up all night embroidering. Yeah. J- James, um, did you go and see Mungo and Jerry? No. Um, he lives very, very close to me. I, I can point out his... Well, he used to anyway. This was a good few years ago now. I, he's I passed over to say, now, hasn't he? Well, no, I think he's still with this Ray Dorset. No. For it is I'm, sure, I'm sure Mungo and Jerry's passed over, James. Sorry to tell oh, you. I, I think Ray's still, still out and about. And his dog, Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> That's what his dog was called. Because a friend of mine, who I remain nameless, just because his mum used to walk their kind of dog at the same time and kind of built up a, uh, a sort of a fledgling friendship. And this was round about the time that Shaggy had uh, covered in the summertime. And she found out <laughs> that he didn't mind the cover version because he approved of the money, but he didn't like the fact that they changed the lyrics. Oh, oh. So, you know, Big I had like day. a... A Mungo Jerry hotline for a while. Um, and, wasn't it true know, that you... Mungo Jerry played uh, Summertime three times every time he did a, uh, a gig over down in Dorset? Oh, sure, sure, cool. But you know, that's you know, that's that's like Deep Deep Purple doing Smoke on the Water, isn't it? Like, they go, <laughs> they open with it, they finish with it, and they encore with it. Ray Dorset mm-hmm. is still alive. I stand corrected. But does he live in Dorset? Yes, he does. Yes. So Ray Dorset lives in Dorset. In Dorset, yes. That's a that's brilliant. <laughs> If you're named after a county, you have to live in the county you're named after. If your name is Tim Somerset, you have to live in Somerset. Brian Kent. (laughs) (laughs) Bad trip, man. Jessica. Yeah. I've written, it goes on a bit. Blood sacrifice. (laughs) Caroline Monroe fancies it. Heavy breathing. Um... And it's nice because it's shot through the flame. There's quite an interesting shot where the sh- the shot of the sacrifice is shot through a quivering flame, which otherwise, for me, brings to life quite a boring sequence. She's the uh, Navy rum girl, and she's in yes. um, a Roger Moore as well. I can't think which is it, one. Is it, is it Moonraker? It, is it Moonraker? It's, is, is it's either Moon- Moonraker or The Spy Who Loved Me. I can't remember. Right. It's, a, it's a late 70s one. But I also said to Beck at this point that she she was incredibly good looking. I said it's great Very good watching these woman. films mm. because you know these people are naturally good looking. There's no work done on any of these people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these are actually what they look. And I said to her, I, I've got a thing about um, women from the seventies. I just yeah. think they just look look great. Well, they all look much better, except their teeth are quite often look horrific. So the ne- <laughs> the next shot then goes to outside, to where Dracula has been buried for exactly 100, 100 years. 100 years. 
but the piece of the wheel is still stuck in the garden <laughs> No one has... The gardener hasn't come along and thought, what's no. that bit of wheel doing? What's that doing stuck in that grave there? What, who's left out there? That's been, that looks like it's been there for ex- almost exactly 100 years. <laughs> so there's a good effect where the ground looks like it's breathing and there's all the smoke coming out. But then the silly part is that... Um, You've got a big wadge of wheels stuck in the ground. And then obviously, so, so what I've written next is, takes nearly 40 minutes for Lee to appear, which is quite interesting. That you, You're nearly like two thirds of the film in, or a third of the film in or whatever, and you haven't seen the main star of the... But did all the kids and... run away before Dracula turns up? Yes. Yes. So, yes. But the girl is stuck within the, um, the, the circle and, yes. and cannot leave yes. there. And then uh, Drac comes in. Oh, no. Um, but the, the kids run away when um, all the bubbling blood... Yeah, uh, yeah comes on her in the, in, bosom. The baptism of blood <laughs> is poured all over her neck. Yeah. yeah. I, I oh, have... God, oh, God blow me, man. How awful. But I just... I wish I got invited to these sort of things. I, I felt that, like, when it, as I was watching it, and where I feel that they really missed out on the opportunity was I thought, oh, okay, is this going to be like Dracula in... 60s swinging London. Yeah. No, he just no. stays in the church the entire he never time. Leaves the he's church. like, he's like a really bad tourist, isn't he? He's like, oh, do you, do you want to come and see the cultural life? No, I'm staying in the hotel and I don't want to eat any of this foreign muck. It's hard to Transylvanian blood. That's all I'm interested he, in. He must have been on set for like uh, five Two days, days, if that. Yeah, Maximum, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. He, and he never leaves that set, does he? No. Which is quite interesting. Nope. So the next scene is where they all kind of hang out. Uh, in the coffee bar, and they debate what has happened. Obviously, we've seen Laura, Caroline Monroe, die. There's a great line then where Bob says to um, Jessica, Laura will be there, a bit drained. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I thought Which was... I thought was quite nicely set up, actually. But they're, for, cut, for they're the... cutting this back and forth with um, young kids sort of playing on the rubble. Well, that, that bit's tremendous. Yes. I knew you'd love that bit, John. Yeah. Fact, that like... bit is tremendous. The shot of the kids finding a body is just brilliant. Yeah. How it hasn't been used as an album cover by now, those kids looking down at the body with the cranes behind the blue sky is brilliant. Yeah. I absolutely love it. For me, the most impactful... You know, the, the, the only pit in it which I felt horrific in any way was her face coming out of the rubble. Oh, yeah, and, dead face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Was, that, that was the most folk horror. If yeah. we're looking at folk yeah. horror, that was the most folk horror sequence for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind That's of the, the horror just in, you know, kind of in the, the everyday. It's a re- really strong sequence, that is. Um, so then we move on to Marsha Hunt is involved, who was Mick Jagger's girlfriend at the time. Yes. The, the black lady was in hair as well. Yeah. So she's uh, she's dispatched. Um, but oh, oh, but but before that, before yeah. they dispatch her, how does he kind of uh, our villain, our familiar? How does he entice yeah. her? I've just written the words in capitals. <laughs> Jazz spectacular at the Albert Hall, <laughs> which unfortunately we don't see on screen. No. Which is that is a shame. That is a shame. It was in the original <laughs> scripts. But just spectacular at the Albert Hall. And then when she's like, oh, yes. <laughs> Ross and I once went to a jazz spectacular at the uh, Albert Hall, didn't we, Cleves? Yeah, the, um, <laughs> the uh, dress rehearsal for the Doctor Who at the proms, which I really <laughs> clapped my hands so much when Matt Smith turned up. That, you know, I felt like I couldn't feel them for a week. But he bled. Yeah. He was clapping blood <laughs> so into excited. the Albert Hall. <laughs> we went to the pub beforehand to eat and Cleaver ate a massive bowl of mussels. And I thought we walked... <laughs> 
we, <laughs> we were walking so fast then to the Royal Albert Hall that I thought they were going to revisit us at some point. <laughs> it was so hot. I, I had like a bowl of chips, cleavers of anger on muscles. <laughs> I had like a churn full of muscles. But this is where we... Where did you where go we... the seafood option, Ross? Yeah, I just love it. And um, <laughs> this is where we, we um, I just love it. Start. That's when we started our dot two um podcast, which we did two episodes of, which oh, John has got no memory at all of ever doing. I don't remember doing anything about yeah. it at all. No, so <laughs> if I can find the files, I might put it on our Patreon. Um, oh, website. that's a good idea. So, oh, so people, yeah. if yeah. people want to yeah. become a patron, ours on patreon.com forward slash. Yeah. Um, general Witchfinders. Witchfinders. Um, well done. I may, uh, if I can find it, put our Doctor Who podcast episodes up on there. Excellent. Thanks. So at this point, the police are introduced. Oh, with an amazing fur. You line. don't. And I've written, you don't see detectives in coats like that anymore. <laughs> so Michael Coles, who is in Doctor Who and the Daleks, is one yes. of the Sals, I think. He comes in. He looks like the Rolling Stones in 1966, basically, doesn't he? <laughs> he does. He's got an amazing suit on. When the Rolling Stones for about a year looked like kind of gangstery look, the, yeah. and they had like fur coats and stuff. Um, Brian Jones had like the white fedora and stuff. He comes in, and then I think the film turns, and the the dialogue gets better. He's more mm. believable. Peter Cushion is more believable, and I mm. think that's what kind of salvages the film. What is that? They are much more. Don Houghton, the writer who. I'm sure we will discuss later, wrote Doctor Who and created Take the High Road. Oh, oh I didn't know that. <laughs> I think at this point, he's much more comfortable writing for policemen and vampire mm, hunters. Old people. Yeah, I said to Hell earlier, like, if I had to write something with dialogue now for young kids of 18 living in London, like, my dialogue would be as bad as this guy's dialogue yeah. for, like, yeah. you know, Swing in London. It's basically... It's like the Beano does uh, dialogue for kids, isn't it? It's like, yeah, cool, daddy-o. With the police. Yeah. I, I was sure that the other policeman, like uh, on the vampire side... He's, he's sinister. Oh, yeah, he's very that, sinister, quite yeah. sinister. There was a point yeah. where he, he wanted to delay them going to pick up the kids. There was a point yeah. where you know, they, they kept cutting mm. to realise thing, And I felt like, was that, was that a storyline which was sort of cut out of it because edited out i yeah. don't know i f- i find him quite interesting he's an interesting looking guy he looked a bit his like glasses... tinker <laughs> yeah a little bit his glasses are quite interesting but i googled him and he didn't really he was an actor but not in much stuff that that is memorable now we're used to things having like a, a kind of expanded universe and things such as that but there's that moment when he says he talks about oh van helsing and he says well we've worked with him before and i was like oh okay and that was cool and that was the bit i thought oh and then part i did genuinely think oh had these guys turned up in an an earlier or in in another that character's used again in another film isn't he john yeah well he's in what which we should do he's in satanic rites of dracula as well there you go i thought that was cool which is I think is absolutely brilliant and is probably the most derided of all the Hammer Dracula oh, films. Okay, well, maybe we'll come to that later yeah, on. Yeah, 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 yeah. What happens next? Um, I've written shot of the stag, come in for a bite with uh, inverted commas. <laughs> and then I've written Cushing's hair is superb. <laughs> yes. However, we thought, what would it look like when it's down? Because it's so long. It's very long. And, and swept back, isn't it? He looks... He looks so heroic. 
Like, if there is a hero out there, it's Peter Cushing as Van Helsing in a bow tie. The thing that struck me was in... We've already made reference to Christopher Lee's teeth. But, of course, now we've all got good TVs Mm. and everything's Mm. HD. I noticed I've just written Cushing's Cushing's nicotine fingers. Yes, I I thought His fingers are really nicotine stained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 really. And I was like, oh, blimey. I do want to say that I thought the print I I watched was brilliant uh, on Mm. Amazon. Which yeah, I presume is done for 4K, uh, not yeah. 4K, um, HD. Blu-ray and HD. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, what I watched in the 1980s and 1990s was taped off the TV, on, and it was on a 4 to 3 ratio, Bang & Olufsen, proper, like, hmm. uh, what do you call them? Vacuum tube television. <laughs> cathode to- ray. Yeah, cathode ray with a top-loading video player. Love you literally, I'm surprised you could see anything, <laughs> let alone, you know, discernible images. Yeah. took this on my laptop quite closely the other night, and to see all this detail in it, I was, yeah. I was really astounded. We're probably, well, I think we're lucky these days. We're, we're able to see these films better than even at the time. Yeah, that's like, um, it's like yeah, yesterday, oh, well, I, I, I realised that Gail Bong Trap had a, um, a scar on his chin, which I never noticed yeah, before. Yeah, 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 yeah. The... the the new prints of films that are coming out now, particularly Hitchcock's and stuff like that, are just, they're nuts. They're so good uh, compared to like when we were growing up and you'd see like Star Wars and it would be panned and scanned yeah. and the top and the sides of the picture would be cut off. And it'd be like, this is this was shot in Panavision. You can't see a f- flipping thing. Saying like you guys have got pages of notes. I've got a few lines. One of, I got here, 70s fingernails. <laughs> in HD, in HD, I just sort of picked yeah. the fingernails of the seventies had a particular look. Yeah. I can't explain what they are. And also, Robert Webb <laughs> is Johnny. We felt like... yes, <laughs> I thought that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah Christopher yeah, yeah, Neen, he's in. He's the baddie in Sharder as well, which is the unreleased, the great ah. unreleased Doctor ah, Who. Yes. Douglas Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah where yeah. he wears a totally silver suit yes. and like a big <laughs> silver fedora, and he walks around Cambridge. Yeah, and then and Tom up. Baker goes. Shada. <laughs> I've got the animated one of that. Have you? Yeah. Shada. <laughs> um, my next note is no police at the church? Question mark, question mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they've had a murder there that day. <laughs> John- <laughs> Johnny Alucard goes there with Marsha Hunt, kicks all the planks again. Takes her in there. She gets done off. There is a really, really brilliant wide angle kind of almost like fisheye shot of Dracula. Um, and then she is dumped. She's they have she's a bit dumped. of an argument about he needs to have the powers in order. Yes, he's given the power of vampirism. But then the body of Marsha Hunt is dumped, rolled into a river. The start of the film takes place ah. with the bridge. It's exactly the same bridge. So it's like I always feel sorry for actresses when they're rolled in, have to go in water. <laughs> it often happens. Yeah, this is, they, don't worry, darling. It'll be the start to your career. But imagine it'd be like when we made a film. All the things we wrote in our script, you guys just refused to do. James, you need to be naked. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you wanted me to run down a road naked, right? <laughs> in in Cardiff, yeah, in a major yeah. metropolitan city. John, you need to run after this car. I'm not going to do it. I'm not running. Um, <laughs> So I don't then, have much, but I still have a dignity. Yeah. So, um, 
So, yeah, basically, Marsha Hunt is dumped where we've already seen the stagecoach at the start. I don't know if you're meant to pick up on that or not. Uh, I don't know if it's got any point in the plot. But then the next bit is Johnny Alucard is turned into what he wants to be all along, which is a vampire. And then there's a sequence where he attacks a woman. Well, you don't see him attack the woman. A laundrette. But you see a laundrette. And you see him in his stag. That for me is the quintessence of the whole film. Yeah, yeah it's I love very seventies, so isn't it? It's, it's very so kitchen seventies. Mm. It's really atmospheric. Actually, He's yeah. in the laundrette. The music's coming out of his car. He opens the door of his car. He's got vampire teeth. Would you think this like, better? Would be better. Would you think yeah. this film would be better if it, it couldn't be better if Dracula wasn't <laughs> in it? Because it felt to me. <laughs> Some of these bits, like that, that bit you, you was talking about there, that there's um, yeah. a bit later on where they uh, confront the boyfriend, takes Stephanie Beecham back to the club, and then surprises her that he's a vampire as well. Um, and also, yeah. Oh, there's, there, there, like there's a lot going on there. There's a, these days, if they redid it today, the potential there, because like, obviously we'll talk about this at the end when we talk about the Highgate vampire, but the whole kind of dark side to the age of Aquarius, mm-hmm. the whole kind of having people saying, you know, into cults and some people going, Oh, is, is our vampires real? Mm-hmm. You know, you could play on that really, really well, but obviously they've gone right 90 minutes and we've got to have yeah. 15 minutes of Christopher Lee. Yeah. Go. Yeah. They, they basically, they smashed the 90 minutes. There isn't a minute wasted in the film. Oh, in fact, I think the it first could 45. be like, <laughs> no, but I think it could be like a two hour film and I'd sit and watch it. Yeah, it really easy. reminds me of, easy. It really reminds me of Fright Night, which mm. uh, the 1985 Fright Night with, um, what's his name, Roddy McDowell, in that it's like this thing, it's a modern day and vampires don't exist in the modern day and it's all that kind of thing of like, oh, you've if, you know, it's making people believe what is unbelievable. And that is that is the bit that it kind of turns on for me. And that's what I like about this laundrette scene where you've got this woman in the laundrette and then you've got this handsome vampire in the Triumph Stag, and I really like that kind of mm, yeah, yeah. rub. And that rub against modern life works really well, whereas in other parts of the film, it's just a bit... It's it's yeah. fun to watch, but it is a bit lame, mm. and that's the yes, problem. Agreed. So then we have the, think... the, the police go to the Van Housen household to form the uh, Stephanie Beach in that the uh, first girl has been killed and to get some mm-hmm. more information. Great scene. Yeah. And then they recommend that Van Housen gives his uh, granddaughter a sleeping tablet to, to put her to yeah! sleep. <laughs> that bit was mental. Yeah. While he's dressed as Keith Richards in 1966. <laughs> Just give her a sleeping pill. <laughs> and then she has... Van Helsing should be fine. Anita Pallenberg. So she has yeah. like a night... <laughs> a, a sweaty nightmare whilst um, the uh, Johnny Atkins has been turned into a vampire where, where mm-hmm. then her grandfather comes up and does quite a lot of Groping around her breasts uh, in order to put the, the crucifix. Paul Christopher Lee was in mourning, Ross. <laughs> Peter, Cushing. Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing was in mourning. I'm sorry. The Christopher yeah. Lee was just in mourning yeah. for J.R. <laughs> Tolkien. <laughs> um, that scene is quite problematic and it's ridiculous. Yeah. It shouldn't be in the. There's film. a big smile on his face while he's doing it. If you watch. <laughs> Stephanie Beecher, mate. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. She's a very good-looking woman in this. Fair play. That was the scene where I, I felt other policeman was uh, potentially going to be a bad guy because he's, he yeah. tries to de- wants to delay them picking up the other people. He wants to go for a cheese sandwich. And, he yeah, says, he, yeah, he does. He this does. is where we lose the character of the the monk boy at that point. Mm. So it makes me feel he's like gone. 
was he was there a scene where he off got screen. killed where off we, or he was off deleted scenes i think that's I think. weird and i think that might be down to an edit of scenes shot or maybe not shot because you have this sequence where suddenly and it kind of works where jessica and peter cushing kind of are suddenly on their own and all of her friends disappear whether that's by luck or design i don't know if that's the case but it really does work because suddenly it's like it the film becomes quite claustrophobic whereas before you know they're on the there was a group. We're a group. We call ourselves a group. We're a group yes. now. Grandpa. We're not a gang. You're not a gang. Whereas now, it's suddenly it's like Mrs. Hudson or whatever her name is, the housekeeper, and and Lorimer Van Helsing and Jessica. And I think that works really well. But I think it needed a scene where Joe says, "I'm going to go and stay with my parents. I've had an awful time," or you know, whatever. <laughs> um, where he, you know, you can just he exits stage left. But, um, so then we Ren Housing uh, while Stephanie Beecham is um recovering from the uh all the drugs which she's given her. Heaving bother, heaving bothums. Yeah. Mm. Uh, he um goes to see policeman in his enormous office full of executive toys. <laughs> yeah, exactly I what I've that. written down, Ross. Yeah. The Newton's It's a great set. I love the set. Mm. Scotland Yard yeah. detectives. I'm pleased that yeah. on the taxpayers' money, he's got that much time to play with. <laughs> As you said, a Newton's cradle, one of those electrical circuits yeah. Yeah. that buzzes in it. He's got so at least three. I spotted at yeah. least Brilliant. three. Brilliant. Uh, they have a very long discussion where um, he basically he keeps keeps saying, "Well, if anyone, if any of my superiors hear me listen to you about vampires." Uh, they think I'd I'm be crazy. Demoted. Yeah. However, I am going to let you. Could you just let me go and kill the vampire? Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And don't come until after sunrise. Sunrise. Yeah. And he goes, okay, fine. Oh, okay, go on. We trust you. You've written books. At that point, for some reason, there is a shot of the embankment, Thames mm. embankment, looking towards Battersea yes. Power Station with a big fisheye lens that kind of swoops round into the traffic, which is a brilliant shot. And it's really atmospheric. It has no almost place does like in a three sixty thing, doesn't it? It's a bit like in um, uh, it follows because they keep they keep doing that shot and it follows. And up. the opening three sixty of the uh, of of the Westway, and also it's great to see Battersea Power Station actually working. It's like they're saying, "Don't forget, we're still in London." In London, yes, yeah, a, a lot of smoke coming out or steam Ooh. or whatever it is coming up. Yeah, looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing shot. Is a, a character called Anna comes up and says, "Mr. Van Helsing, I've been looking for you." Um, I've been to see Johnny Alucard. He's so it's because weird. It's because he he breaks into the back of um, the coffee place and then he then he just runs around looking sweaty and like looking at like ma- mannequins and windows and stuff and the music's like... Um, it's funky. This is when the film got good funky. for me. This is my favourite point onwards because it felt like it was very slow but then it started speeding up at this point. It's not slow at all. It's really like fast. He goes to find Johnny Alucard to find out where Jessica is because obviously Jessica at this point has been kidnapped by Bob who has been vampirized um and Johnny Alucard Oh we've missed a, we've missed we've missed the the, the classic the, the, the anagram <laughs> Right okay if you want to extrapolate on that go ahead Okay well there is a moment in which we J- Johnny Alucard <laughs> we we see Peter Cushing, but Van ha- Peter Cushing as Van yeah, Peter Peter Cushing, Cushing. as Van Helsing, who we're told is an expert, and we've seen has written numerous books on the occult. So he's clearly not been hitting with a stupid yeah. stick at all. And we see him writing yeah. down 
Alucard <laughs> on a piece yeah. of paper, and then underneath and then lines, lines coming out, which then just spell <laughs> Dracula. Even though it's just Alucard is just yeah. Dracula backwards. It's not even an anagram. It's not even an anagram. He doesn't yeah. need to draw the lines. <laughs> <laughs> But it does make a really nice logo for Dracula. <laughs> and they should have... <laughs> oh, that's our T-shirt. It's the first well, T-shirt, guys. Sh- yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah that's And then a great he just idea. drops this knowledge and on I... uh, Scotland Yard later. Yeah. He, he says to Detective yeah. Murray, yeah. oh, and by the way, Alucard backwards is Dracula. Bang. Say that oh, one, Dracula. Came over. So, um, so the fight sequence. Oh, that's brilliant! That's my favorite bit. My favorite sequence of the whole film. What? The which first fight one. sequence? Yeah, the first so I'm talking one. about yeah. Johnny Alucard. Yeah, in his flat. So, what I really like is you've got this young, lithe kind of Jagger-esque vampire, yeah. and you've got really Grandpa coming in in his <laughs> bow tie. The cardigan is is a Harrington Mac and his um, <laughs> bow. Um, yeah, cardigan. And he's like, Johnny, where is she? And then he throws what looks like a massive black dildo. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of his black masked candles. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's like he throws a huge black dildo at Johnny Alucard. <laughs> and then they have this brilliant brawl where um, Peter Cushion is stabbed. And then he throws a Bible in the in uh, the coffee table come coffin. Yeah. Um, and then... I'm, I'm <laughs> And then, obviously, the denouement of this whole sequence is um, uh, uh, Peter Cushing uses a mirror to reflect the sunlight to um, kind of bash uh, Johnny Alucard into his bathroom, where he goes into his bathroom, pulls the skylight, the the room is filled with light, and he falls in the bath, and then he, you you know, the old-fashioned vampire cannot, cannot cross running water, running water, is a shower, and then he melts in his bath. Well, not doesn't really melt. He gets a little bit of like kind he's of got, PVA glue. He's on got his PVA on, on his face. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, again, my only thought was not like that. Oh my god! I just thought, wow, what a bathroom. Yeah, because of that skylight. And yeah, the yeah, bar- yeah. And I, I felt like, like I felt like we could have set up that the skylight at some point earlier in the film, so we knew that was yes. going to happen. It was coming. Yeah. However, that was my, it, it was great. Amazing. It was a great film. The bathroom but, looked fantastic. The, the music is brilliant. The pacing is brilliant. The editing is brilliant. The bit where he goes, "Yeah, can rot in." <laughs> As he dies in the shower, is brilliant. Um, in many wa- in, in many ways, you know, that's like we've mentioned the stones. That is like a, a companion piece, isn't it? To um, performance. Um, oh, p- performance. It is a bit it? like performance, actually. Yeah, yeah. With Jagger um, in the bath. I, yeah, you're right. Actually, I absolutely love that bit. It's the best bit of the film. Um, the film finishes there for me, really. Yeah. I, yeah. When you see Dracula, you're a bit like, oh, here we bloody go again. It's perfunctory, isn't it? The ending yeah. is perfunctory. Stephanie Beecham yeah. does nothing yeah. these days. Well, she... I wouldn't call that nothing, James, in that <laughs> dress. <laughs> ben Housen goes off to the, um, the, the, the scene of the murder. No policeman again. <laughs> yeah, it goes back to the church where there now been oh, two okay. murders. We don't want to put any police around the church. Look, we've got <laughs> our police officers, our dedicated metropolitan police officers, are busy going to people yeah. who are just crashing parties without yeah. invites. Yeah. 
<laughs> they haven't eight, got time. Eight people at that. They haven't got time party. for murder investigations. Yes. Standing out, there's two policemen stood outside the Cavern Club where they've been dealing pot. Uh, that's it. Where they've been dealing pot and LSD. Yeah. Where, they, where they've had two murders in the church, there's no one there. Most than that, that's fine. It's done now, isn't it? They're dead. Yeah. What so else goes in that, here? So he, he digs a hole, yeah. puts, puts some stakes in the hole. Yeah. Takes brilliant. ages covering up with grass. Yeah. Nice. Um, goes and puts a, um, a, a, a the, the um, crucifix around her neck again, tucks it inside her, uh, inside her top. The bosom. Yeah. She's in some kind of vampiric stupor yeah. at this trance. time. Yeah. 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 A trance, yeah. Accidentally knocks her bosoms about three or four times, <laughs> which wobble quite considerably. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, waits for the sun to come down. Uh, we, we don't find out why she's uh, suddenly... Uh, we don't find no. out why or how she's been got to that church or put in a different dress. Yeah. Or where uh, Dracula where Dracula is. We don't know where Dracula is. In, in the daytime. Fine. He disappears. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's... He says one good line, which yeah. I've forgotten, which is about, like, I, I commanded armies or something. Yeah. yeah, so that's, you play your brains against mine, mine who have commanded armies of blah, 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 blah. That is a, a line from Dracula, the book. Oh. And Christopher Lee insisted that that was put in the script. Because otherwise he wouldn't do it. Because he was too busy doing, like, films abroad in Spain, getting, like, a hundred grand a film to appear for five minutes in a film about like the Marquis de Sade or something like that. <laughs> so then they have a, a slow chase up um, a spiral staircase. Yeah, which is quite good, quite yeah. atmospheric. Yeah. yeah, but he doesn't need to keep stopping and turning around. And like he's 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 been there for ages, <laughs> setting up this trap out in the um, graveyard, and then he runs up the stairs. Why? Why? He's a maverick thinker, Ross. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't That's what Dracula would expect. <laughs> And then he stabs him with his silver knife, which doesn't yep. kill him. No. He falls off the uh, balcony, which he does in um, Taste the Blood of Dracula. Okay, at that okay. point, I was thinking, I would probably jump off there onto the onto the dagger to push it in, but it's not that high up. I wouldn't then slowly Ooh, get run. You. But, but I, get I, you! Get you, Arnold Schwarzenegger! Yeah. Oh, I jump from the balcony! <laughs> but I'm not a 70-year-old man. Stab him. <laughs> it's, um... It's that bit's ludicrous, but then he kind of mind melds with Stephanie Beecham to get her to come and pull out the dagger. Um, and then I can't remember what happens. Does he just run outside then? Peter Cushing just runs outside. Yeah, then. yeah. And then um, falls, and over. falls over, uncovers the pit covered in spikes, yeah. which yeah. is really badly yeah. covered. Yeah. Dracula stands staring at it with his hair, <laughs> yeah. hair all like, messy, <laughs> hair awry, and then slips and falls in. <laughs> yeah. But no, he throws um, holy water over him, doesn't he? Oh, yes, he, he does, yes. And that's when he slips. So he slips, he falls in, and then, surprisingly gory, Peter Cushing hits him with a spade. To push him through. Yeah, I thought he was going <laughs> to chop his head off with the spade yeah, at that point. Yeah, and then pushes him through, and a big load of, a big bubble of blood comes out, which I thought was quite surprisingly gory, actually. But um, And then we go, rest in peace forever. <laughs> the end. Rest end. in final peace. I will say about this film, there's quite a few... Not pointless characters, but characters which kind of just seem to have dead ends, don't they? Exactly, Where it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you think about this film, like poor Jessica, has her boyfriend's been uh, turned into a vampire. Most of her friends have been killed. This is something I'd quite like to see explored in the last ten minutes of the film. 
but actually it just says rest in final peace and it finishes, which I think is a bit of a shame, really. Because you don't see the police. Yeah, you don't see the police officer yeah. again. Um, yeah. And I find that a bit weird. Um, it all feels like they said this film needs to be an hour and a half. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, we'll just cut it down. Yeah, yeah. Um, Without and I think that is some of the inherent weaknesses of the script are where, like I said, maybe films that were written, uh, scenes that were written and weren't used or edits where scenes were just taken out. Like, you know, when a fr- all her friends just disappear from the film. Um, it, it's just a, it's a bit of a weird feel, but you'd think, you know, we're looking at this nearly 50 years later. Mm. I don't think they were. I've, I remember a quote from Roger Corman saying, I think about something in Fall of the House of Usher. He reused a, a scene from a film where there's a beam falling that's on fire and it crushes a character. And he basically reused it from one of his other films. And people have picked up on this later. And he's saying, like, I had no idea that in 50 years people were going to be re-watching these films like 10 times yeah. a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I made... It's a B movie. It went out. Once it's gone out... You know, that's it. I that's thought it. it would just yeah. disappear. Yeah. Um, People aren't meant to be making podcasts about this. <laughs> it's now the time to talk about the Highgate Vampire. Mm. Right. Okay. So. Have we all I, been to Highgate? I've been to Highgate. Yes. Well, yes I, absolutely. I, I, Ross, no, apparently you can't get in there anymore without uh, going on a, a guided tour. Or... Well, you've got to oh. go on a tour. Yeah. You've got to go on a tour. One, one part you can just walk around. The part that's what you think of as being Highgate Cemetery, you have to go on a tour. Mm. Is that where um, George Michael is buried? Oh, I don't know. Karl Marx is there. Karl Marx is, yeah, for sure. Lucian Freud is there. Patrick Weimark, the actor, is there. Um, There's loads of people there, but that is the uh, that's the one where you have to go on a tour. Well, that's our post-COVID meetup then, isn't it? Okay. Well, so I, as I was watching this, what I thought was, well. There is an allusion made to the Manson family murders. Mm. And what I thought was immediately, you know, along with the whole let's update Dracula to swinging 60s London, even though it's now the 1970s, I thought they've gone for the whole dark side of the age of Aquarius vibe. Now, if you haven't read the excellent, I highly recommend this, by the way, everybody. Um, There's a really great book called Turn Off Your Mind by a guy called Gary Lachlan. Um, and it's a good, and the subtitle is The Dark Side to the Age of Aquarius. And it's all about how, the, you know, for all the peace and love of the 1960s, there was always an undercurrent of darkness, so on and so forth. And so that's what I thought they'd, got, they'd gone for here. But yet, as I then looked into, into it and explored it, you know, thanks to our friends on Wikipedia, it says, apparently this film was inspired by the Highgate Vampire. Does one be and I said, like, oh, what's this? I don't know about this. And oh my God, what an absolute treat this is. So if, if you wish, here is the, uh, the story from it. And it says, a group of young people interested in the occult visited the cemetery in the late 1960s, a time when it was being vandalized by intruders. According to a report in the London Evening News of the 2nd November 1968, on the night of Halloween 1968, a graveyard desecration by persons unknown occurred at Tottenham Park Cemetery. So not Highgate. These persons arranged flowers taken from graves in circular patterns with arrows of blooms pointing to a new grave which was uncovered. A coffin was opened and the body inside disturbed. Defiled. Bummed. Their most macabre act was driving an iron stake in the form of a cross through the lid and into the breast of the corpse. 
Though the identities and motivations of these responsibles were never ascertained, general consensus at the time linked the desecration to events surrounding the Highgate vampire case. Then, in a letter to the Hampstead and Highgate Express on the 6th of February 1970, David Farrant wrote that when passing the cemetery on 24th of December 1969, he glimpsed a grey figure, which he considered to be supernatural, and asked if others had seen anything similar. On the 13th, several people replied, describing a variety of ghosts said to haunt the cemetery or the adjoining Swains Lane. These ghosts were described as a tall man in a hat, a spectral cyclist, a woman in white, a face glaring through the bars of a gate, a figure wading into a pond, a pale gliding form, bells ringing, and voices calling. Sean Manchester claimed the figure was a vampire, plus one beer, and the media quickly latched on, embellishing the tale with stories of the vampire being the king of vampires, or of practising black magic. The ensuing publicity was enhanced by a growing rivalry between Farron and Manchester, each claiming that he could and would expel or destroy the spectre. Manchester declared that he would hold an exorcism on Friday the 13th of March 1970. ITV interviewed Manchester, Farrant and others who claimed to have seen supernatural figures in the cemetery. These were broadcast on ITV on the early evening of the 13th. Within two hours, a mob of hunters, in inverted commas, from all over London and beyond swarmed over gates i imagine they kicked the uh, the, fen- the fences to find a weak point and walls into the lock cemetery despite police efforts to control them some months later on the 1st of august 1970 the charred and headless remains of a woman's body were found not too far from the catacomb it doesn't say which catacomb the police suspected that it had been used in black magic Citation needed. Farrant was found by police in the churchyard beside Highgate Cemetery one night in August carrying a crucifix and a wooden stake. He was arrested, but when the case came to court, it was dismissed. A few days later, Manchester returned to Highgate Cemetery. He claims that at this time, he and his companions forced open the doors of a family vault, indicated by his psychic helper. He said he lifted the the lid off of one coffin, believing it to be mysteriously transferred there from the previous catacomb. He was about to drive a stake through the body it contained when a companion persuaded him to desist. Reluctantly, he shut the coffin, leaving garlic and incense in the vault. Mm, And then finally, it says... There was more publicity about Farron and Manchester when rumours spread, here we go guys, that they would meet in a magician's duel on Parliament Hill on Friday the April the 13th, 1973, which never occurred. Uh, now, apparently there, there was posters put up in the underground for this duel. With, uh, wow. Inviting people to this come. is what we need. This is what's gone wrong with Brexit Britain. <laughs> there are not enough magician's jewels taking place at any point. Farrant was jailed in 1974 for damaging memorials and interfering with dead remains in Highgate Cemetery. Yeah, exactly that. Vandalism and desecration, which he insisted had been caused by Satanists. Not by him. And then my favourite part, Farrant and Manchester wrote and spoke repeatedly about the Highgate vampire, each stressing his own role to the exclusion of the other. Each attempted to control the narrative around the Highgate vampire, resulting in ongoing animosity and rivalry between the two. Their feud continued for decades, (laughs) marked by insults and vindictiveness, 
until Farron's death in April 2019. No way. Wow. That I be- well, but what a what a tale. What a story. It, it uh, brings to mind the uh, rivalry between Colin Fry and Derek Akora, of course. <laughs> <laughs> two of two of the great supernatural minds of the twenty. 20- 20th and 21st centuries. And maybe we're going to hear more about that on upcoming <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Hopefully we are, yeah. Okay, so back to um, Dracula 18, 18, 19, 72. So would we recommend this film, guys? Yes. Mm. To, to, to the right person. I wouldn't, you In know. the right mood. Yeah. Personally, yeah. I, I preferred the second, well, the last third. Um, the, la- the the final act. The final act. I, fa- I felt the the beginning, the first two acts, just a little. They dragged a little bit for me, and there wasn't enough of the of Dracula, yeah, or vam- vampiric yeah. going on. But I thought yeah. like, that yeah. the 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 final act was brilliant, and I, yeah. I love. There was particularly the the fight between um, Van Helsing and Aguilar. I thought that awesome. was that was great, and I would watch that again on YouTube. Or, yes. Well, I paid the money to buy it now, so I could. Uh, I could <laughs> oh wow! Think... You went for buy rather yeah, than rent, yeah. did you? Maybe mm. Satanic Rites of Dracula is for you, Cleves. Have you ever seen Satanic Rites of Dracula? No, not no, not. I, well, I, 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 I know I've watched Hammer before, but I've got no memory of of, of any. I think I've you're seen. in. I think you're gonna be in luck, guys, because this is the film for you. If you can imagine Hell's Angels, James Bond, uh, <laughs> Doctor Who, and the Master meets. Uh, Van Helsing and Dracula, then Sold. you're in. You're in for a treat. I think we should score the film out of five. Out of five, ooh, I, I, it's an easy four to four point five out of five for ah. me. So, um, I because I haven't got a benchmark, mm. I'm probably going. I'm going to give this a two oh. at this point. I, 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 as a historical piece, controversial. It was, it, it was worth it just to see the 1970s, London, yeah. you know, 70s London. So yeah. what, you get, what score are you going to give it, James? Out of two. five, the two. So we got a two, two, and a four and a half. Wow, I'm surprised at that, guys. I thought you'd be uh, more effusive. Well, we'll, we'll see. We we'll see. We may have to come back and revisit if yes. all the other films are worse yeah. than this. We might have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's going to be a lot worse than this. Um, so now we're going to do um, a segment which I call something horrific. So I want us all to bring something we've watched, um, seen, read, or listened to um, since the last episode, which uh, we could recommend to our audience. So since the last episode, which which doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> so since <laughs> so while I've been doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, hang on. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you what I'm I'm recommending while you do that. So I'm recommend I'm recommending Ghosts on BBC Two, which uh, I think it's on BBC. I I don't know because I watch it's BBC player. One now. Ross. BBC it's One, on BBC One, please. Yeah. So from yeah. the cast of um, Horrible Histories and um, the other thing they did on Sky One, which I don't think anyone saw, um, it's <laughs> basically uh, a sitcom with a load of ghosts in a in a haunted uh, manner, and it's just. Very funny, very sweet, and very um, poignant, and I love it. And it's great, even though it's on past the watershed, and there's maybe one or two episodes of Catch the Kids. It's something which um, my children, who are five and eight, enjoy just as much as I do. 
It features and... well-known James lookalike. There are, of course, many. Yeah. Simon Farnaby. Yes, as yeah. as the um the uh, MP who the died, Tory MP who yeah. died with his trousers off. <laughs> Randall alike. Yeah. Randall alike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Love it. And the, and the Christmas special made me cry. So very oh, good. Nice. That's all you can want from entertainment, Cleves, yeah, isn't it? Just want to be made to cry. <laughs> James, what's yours? Because I, I, uh, I don't know how I'm going to find okay, mine. mine. I think I apologise this, but John, I think I think I might have seen you mention it at some point on social media. Apologies if not, but it feels like. A, but this book, Ghostland. Oh, okay, Edward Parnell. Yeah. Yes. Right. Okay. So um, Edward Parnell. Uh, basically, it's him. It's part memoir talking about his own life, um, but he's just a couple of years older than us, so has a lot of the same cultural reference points. And basically, it's just his tour of Britain, um, looking at kind of folk horror around the British Isles. Mm. Um, and just as I flicked through, as you do when you first get a new book, um, straight away he's visited near to me uh, and and to Ross too. Um, uh, Badbury Rings. Ah. So, oh, nice. for example, oh wow, I've been there, and what mm-hmm. have you. So, you know, bearing in mind the cover fe- features, um, you know, the, the TV uh, version of Whistle and I'll Come, mm-hmm. the original Wicker Man, and um, also uh, Ring of Dark Water, the yeah. notorious, you know, kind of information film from the 1970s. I thought, yeah. well, I, I'm in, uh, I mean, I'm in the right, ter- I'm in the right territory here. So, I've just it's started that because. Good, yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly really enjoying book. it. I'm a, yeah, so, yeah, 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 highly yeah. recommended for everyone if you're into your or getting intre- interested like we are uh, in kind of folk horror. That's my recommendation. Mine was going to be a website thing, which I'd left the page open, but I can't find it now. So I will talk about uh, the Signalman, the 1976 uh, Ghost Story for Christmas, which mm. was on BBC in 1976 at Christmas uh, I've now got it on DVD and it's absolutely brilliant it's an hour long it's Denham Elliott mm. it's another man who plays the other man in it uh, it's very spooky it's beautifully shot um, the sound it, really ahead of its time with like the sound design production design and stuff and it's it basically <laughs> besides the fact I won't give the ending away but Besides the fact of the ending, it shows the kind of life that I would like to have. And that is the life of the signalman. And that's a simple life, um, working signals for um, steam trains going backwards and forwards across England uh, in Victorian times. So that's no social media. That's no Twitter. It's no COVID, no Brexit. But ghosts. But ghosts. <laughs> yes, very good. Yeah. And that's well... That's well worth watching. And I think we should review that at some point because I think if you two haven't seen it, I think you'd really like, particularly Denham Elliott in it. Well, brilliant. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. And next, uh, in the next episode, which will be probably in two weeks' time, uh, we're going to be covering The Curse of Frankenstein from 1957. Uh, Another Hammer Horror. So that's available to stream uh, and rent on Amazon in the UK. So um, hopefully you could watch along as well. So uh, that's the end of our podcast for today. Um, just want to say goodbye. Thank you very much for listening. Um, please subscribe. So um, I always think it's weird when people ask people to subscribe when they're 
already listen it to it on some kind of podcast thing. So you tell, know, your, tell, you, tell your friends, tell your friends to Yeah, tell your friends because you know where it is because you're listening to it on a, on, it anyway. Anyway, yeah. so um, if you're listening to this, press the subscribe button and get your friends to subscribe. Also, we've got a Patreon, which we bring, if we get people to um, go on Patreon, we're definitely going to do more of these. So um, go on there. Um, it's patreon.com forward slash general witchfinders. Just go to generalrichfinders.com and there's loads of other stuff on there, including uh, a shop where some of the illustrations which John and I are doing to accompany these films have been put onto some products, which we will get a very, 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 very small amount of money for if you buy anything. Yeah, but, we're um, hoping to do a series cool. of bins, a series of bins <laughs> with um, <laughs> Peter Cushion on. I'm going to do... Uh... They're not bins, they're water, cu- they're, they're water mugs, but also you can get Peter Cushion Cushion on there. I thought it was a bin. It's not a bin. It's a water cup. It's a water. All right. Yeah. A water cup as water opposed cu- to um... yeah, a cup which you don't have water in. But you can get a Peter Cushing cushion, so it's worth getting it for that. Peter Cushing's cushion. Yeah. So thank you very much, and um, we'll see you next time. See you, you. See you soon, everyone. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Support the show and continue the conversation at patreon.com forward slash general witchfinders. Subscribe and spread the word at generalwitchfinders.com. Farewell. You don't have nightmares. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.